Okay, I think we're going to get started. I think we're a minute early, but maybe I'll end a minute early. We'll see. <laughs> um, all right, so we are talking about questions in the Gospels. And um, we've gone through a few of those. And then last week I, I made the argument that all questions really seem to be a result of the fall when you get right down to it. So um, if anybody's had a chance to think about that and want to argue that with me, you're welcome to do so. Um, but I'm going to pray first, and uh, then, we'll, then you can argue with me. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this uh, new morning. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Lord, we um, come to you know the, knowing that you have a perfect will. Lord, we pray for rain. We pray for um, you, uh, and we have confidence in you that you take care of what is yours. You take care of this this earth that you've made, you take care of us, your people, and so we, we praise you and thank you that you are good. We thank you for this time that we can spend this morning and ask that you would just guide us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, we're going we're gonna to be in John chapter 1 this morning. Um, just a little uh, background. I'm feeling a little fuzzy this morning, but uh, Heather, Heather was at at the hospital with uh, Ann Bass. Um, she was being induced last night. It's going to be a long process, most likely. But Heather got home. She came to bed about 12.30, and I was already asleep. And she woke me up, and then I didn't sleep well the rest of the night. So I'm, <laughs> I'm a little out of whack. Um, so we'll see. But um, anyway, I, I, she has not. Now, they, it, it, they just started the process, and it's, Heather said it, it may be a little while. Um, so, and just with, with thinking about Anne, I just, you know, when I was thinking about her, I thought, you know, I know there's a lot of people who may not know her that well because her husband hadn't come with her to church that much. But then I remembered, you know, y'all just had a shower for her recently, and Heather was talking about how many of you women come, and that is such a blessing. That is so amazing. Um, and another thing that I forgot to announce last week that I want to announce uh, from the pulpit later, but... The other thing about this church is what a blessing that we are in such a giving church because all the, the kids who got up, the, young, the students who got up and said they had needs for a second year, all that's been covered. And it was, it was covered, you know, last week. I didn't, I forgot to say anything, but, you know, it's all good. It's all covered. Um, so the Lord is good and his people are responsive to him. And that is such a blessing and a praise. Um, okay, so, no, I think $26,000 came in, in like a week. Wow. Yeah. So, God is good all the time. Yeah. Okay. He is good, and we're going to look at John chapter 1, so I'm going to read uh, just verses 35 to 38. Again, the next day, John was standing, this is John the Baptist, was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which, translate, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? Now, before we jump into this, I got to tell you, I got to, I got to confess that I'm a bit dense sometimes, um, and this week was one of those times when I, 
you know, the, the problem with doing this series is, okay, where am I going to be next week? You know, if you're, if you're teaching through a book, you know where you're going to be next week. I stopped at verse 39. We're going to pick up verse 40 or chapter 2 or whatever it is. When you're doing this, you kind of got to go, okay, where, where, where exactly are we going to be next time? And so um, chronologically, I think this is where we belong. Um, we kind of jo- dealt with John the Baptist last week and, and questions that uh, he asked. There are also some questions that were asked of him, and I decided, okay, I think we're done with John the Baptist with that part of it. Um, so this was kind of the logical next place to be the chronological next place to be. And so I, I read through this, um, through these verses that I just read and all the way through the end of the chapter, and I kept reading through them, kept reading through them, and I'm like, okay, and I kind of worked on them, but I wasn't like, I'm not really sure where we're going with this. And then Friday morning, the Lord let me wait till Friday to finally wake me up. What do you seek? What do you seek? It's kind of a big question. That's a significant question. And so Friday morning, it was like it just I got slapped in the face. It was like, what do you seek? Well, that's huge. Um, and so Friday morning, I didn't have a lot of time because I was supposed to be going to have breakfast with some guys. So just in the time that I had on my phone, I got on, you know, on my, on my Bible app on my phone, I can look at a lot of different translations really quickly. So I didn't look at all of them, but I looked at an awful lot of them. And what it basically came down to is, is the way that that's translated is either what do you seek, what do you want, or what are you looking for? Those three pretty much sum up what Jesus was asking these two guys who are following. What do you seek? What do you want? What are you looking for? And now if you're, if you're a King James only kind of a person, what seek ye? If that, if that makes you feel better. Um, but they're basically, they're all variants of the same question. So this is all the way that it's been translated. Think about this for a while. How would you answer that question? And, and I think one of the reasons I kept getting hung, getting, getting hung up this week was I kept thinking about the, the disciples' answer. And their answer, you know, where, where are you staying, basically? Yeah. Yeah. So we know what they're looking for. We know what they're looking for. What do you seek? Okay. What's that? Yeah. I, I know what I'm supposed to be seeking. Right? If I follow you around for a day, or you followed me around for a day, what would I say you're looking for? What would you say I'm looking for if you followed me around for a day? Yeah? At the end of a day, following me around, what would you say Jeff wants? What's he trying to get? Is he trying to get closer to Jesus? Is he looking for Jesus? Is he, I have Jesus, but am I looking to be with him? Am I looking 
for him throughout my day. What are some of the things the world seeks? Money. Money. Entertainment. Entertainment. What's that? Stuff. What else? Recognition, power, security, influence. What distraction? Love. Love. Acceptance. Control. Fame. <coughs> what kind of things are you focused on as you go through a typical day? I just want to get done with my work day. I'm guilty of that. Yeah. You know, it's just. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I know the tasks I have to do in order to say that I'm done for the day, get those things done so I can be done for the day. Yeah? There's a song, uh, Everybody's Working for the Weekend. Yes. You know, and yeah. That's, there's, there's a lot. I mean, you can be focused on that. Yeah. You know, and that's all you care about. There are plenty of people who live five days so they can get to those next two. Yeah. And just... And, and a lot of days go by that way. A lot of weeks go by and months and years and, you know, you get to the end and like, okay, what? You know, what was the point? That's one thing you could be focused on. What other kind of things are you focused on throughout a typical day? Yeah, he's with me, but sometimes I'm lonely. Yeah. I always have somebody I could be talking to. Yeah. And he does speak. What else? Yeah. 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 It, it, it's, it's one of those things that, yeah, it, it looks good. And it, it's better than putting myself first. But, yeah, ultimately, if, if the Lord's not first, then we can lose perspective on what our kids need and what they should be, you know, uh, what place they should have. Charlie was talking about it recently, I think, in a sermon that, you know, it's easy. I think it was on Mother's Day. He was talking about, you know, for moms, it's easy for them to put kids in that place and, you know, kids shouldn't think that they have that much, you know, um, have that kind of place in the family. There's, a, there's an appropriate place. They should be loved. They should be secure. But there's not security in thinking you're the greatest thing that ever was, you know, because then you have to try to live, to live up to that. Any others? What are you focused on as you go through your day? Okay. 
do. Right? Um, you ever get concerned with how people can perceive you? Um, maybe you get focused on how people aren't treating you like you should be. How you've been treated unfairly. Why do they have that and I only have this? Any number of things. There's a lot of, a lot of things we can focus on throughout our day. But what, what Porter initially said is right. What should we be seeking? Christ. What it, yeah. What does it look like to seek Jesus throughout your day? Yep. And just lay out everything before him, seeking him with all your heart, asking him to direct and guide. And I think you do have to focus on what you're doing. Sure. But he is doing that in your he's answering your prayers as you walk along and I think you you are being guided and directed. Yeah. I think that's how I see my life. Yeah. So the interesting thing about the question I asked earlier, if you followed me around, if I followed you around, what would we see? We may not see any different activity, whether I'm focused on me or I'm focused on Christ. Whether I started my day out praying for him to be my guide, or I just said I'm going to do this thing, my activity, the things that I do, the places I go, the people I talk to, may not be much different. So what's different? Yeah, the attitude. It's part of it. What else? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, my, our thoughts can get away from us in a real hurry. Um, but yeah, I, I think what Mary said, spending time, starting my day, not just reading my Bible, yes, doing that, but praying and, and just, Lord, I need you today. I need you to be the one in control, because if I'm in control, it's a mess. It's a train wreck, right? And it may look good to a lot of people, but we know that it's not going to turn out well. So, yeah, what's, what, what does it look like to be seeking Jesus, trusting Him, desiring to spend time with Him, even looking forward to spending time with Him, forsaking all the others and looking only to Him, turning away from every idol we typically run to? Do we run to idols? We do. We've got a lot of them, and we've got to be careful. Because those idols are, are part of life. Yeah, Porter? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, if you focus on your problems, 
it's going to get really bad really quick because because yeah. you're you, when you focus on your problem, who do you see as the as the solution? I'm the solution. I'm the only solution there is apparently. Right. But if we're focused on the problem and not on the the one who can be the solution, who is the solution, yeah, then we're if we're if we're sunk into that, we're thinking I've got to figure this out. Ultimately, we're thinking we're, there's a part of our mind that's thinking I'm the solution. Um, so what Porter referred to earlier, Matthew six thirty three. When we start talking about seeking, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek him. When my hope and trust are in Jesus, when I take the focus off of me and trust him with all of my needs, it frees me up to focus on others, which is in John 15, 12, Jesus says, this is my commandment. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. We tend to get hung up on the commandments. And Jesus says, what are the two most important commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. It boils down pretty simple. And, you know, there, there's another place, and I don't remember exactly where it is, but love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. We know what it looks like to love our neighbor. We know what it looks like to do the right thing for somebody else at our own expense. We know what that looks like. Yeah, we know that the world has screwed up the word love in a big way. We know that that's the truth. But we know what love looks like. Why? Who has shown us perfect love? The one who sacrificed everything. We know what it looks like to love. Love means sacrifice. What do you seek? Am I being unrealistic? Is this pie in the sky? As believers, do we always seek Jesus? No. Do we sometimes run the other way? Absolutely. Do we sometimes ignore him? Do we even treat him like our uncool friend when we're wanting to hang out with the cool kids. Right? Do we do that? Why don't we want to be with him 24-7? We need to understand that. Yeah, our flesh. We have been saved. We have the Holy Spirit. But in this body we live in, we still have our flesh. There's still a war going on every single day. It's important to understand that. It's important that we understand that we still have a sin nature. Our sins have been covered. They've been dealt with, but that doesn't mean that I don't have to, um, that, that it just goes away. There is a war going on. Do we, well, I'm going to skip that one. I didn't like that one that much. <laughs> Sometimes I write things down and I go, nah, that wasn't really. Um, 
So I was just kind of thinking through for me, and then I was also thinking through for Heather. She ended up having to go teach Sunday school over with the little kids this morning, so she's not here to defend herself if I say something incorrect, so I have to deal with that later. Um, so Heather right now is in the thick of coaching volleyball. What most of you don't know is she had a horrible year last year with volleyball. Families, players, parents who, you know, think that their child is God's gift to volleyball. You know, whatever it is, whatever they're thinking, it was not a great year for volleyball last year with Heather. Um, and Carol's back there. She, she, she heard some of, a lot about it, so she knows, and some of you have heard about it. But So this year, a lot of things have changed. A lot of things have changed for the better. Um, but even so, Heather's got all that from last year on her shoulders, thinking as volleyball starting to get going. So it can be quite stressful for her. Um, as she goes into this, she, you know, her focus can be on avoiding conflict with parents or players in order to, because she, she sees I'm, I'm the solution, I'm the problem, I'm the solution, I'm, I'm, I'm everything, so how can I limit the conflict and the problems and, and those kind of things? Or she can use what God's given her and just be focused on pointing players to Jesus. Let the fallout happen. The Lord's got that. He can take care of all these things. Um, as she trusts the girls to him, as she's not trying to, or not worrying about what others think of her, but knowing she's loved and accepted by him regardless of what others think, she has a lot. The difference in how she coaches and what she does is completely different. And the, the, the difference in the peace she has as she does it are completely different. If she's focused on her, she's going to be scared to death as she focuses on Christ and this is your team, these are your girls, these are your families, this is all your stuff. You figure it out. You know, I'm going to walk by faith. I'm going to walk step by step, come to you in the morning and talk about, you know, this is what's going on, Lord. I don't know how you're going to work that out, but, but I'm going to trust you to do that. For me, so now I'll pick on me for a bit, um, on any typical day, um, most of you know I, I do remodels and, and that type of thing. I'm trying to keep everything straight in my mind for several different jobs that are going on, um, trying to make sure nothing gets dropped. Is that good or bad? good. need to make sure things don't drop, right? I mean, but then again, it also depends on my focus. Am I trying not to look foolish in front of my clients by letting things drop? Or do I deserve to, to serve my clients well? Am I trying to just get through the job as quickly as possible and hoping to make a profit or am I thinking about how I can point them to Jesus? Trust him with the prophet. Trust him with the, how it's all going to work out. What does he promise about provision? Do you know any of his promises about provision? Cast your burdens on me. Cast your burdens on me. What else? 
according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Go ahead. In all your ways, acknowledge him, he will make your path Yeah, if we don't know his promises, we are really going to be struggling. He has promised many things. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Porter? Early on in my walk in the Lord, I realized life was out of control. Yeah. And so I grew up. Yellow marker on the New Testament, and I realized every problem he's going to take care of. Yeah. And there's a lot of them, aren't there? Yeah, a lot. There are a lot. If you didn't hear that, Porter was saying early on he went through, marked every promise in the New Testament that the Lord makes. There's a bunch of them. And when, yeah, and when, when you're struggling, when you're going, Lord, I don't know about this. I'm not sure how this is going to work out. There are a lot of promises he's made that are unconditional. You know? Yeah. Yeah. He, he says, I've never seen the children of the righteous begging. You know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that I can screw up some things, and he doesn't. He's still faithful. As faithless as I am, he's still faithful. Knowing those promises is, is such, I, I can't say it strongly enough how important it is to, to know his promises. And think on, think on those things. When I'm worried and I go, wait, what, am I, what do I have to be worried about? Am I worried about how somebody's going to perceive me? How does Christ see me? What does it matter what, how they see me? You know? Yes, I want, to be, I want to represent him well, but ultimately I can only control so much. I can't, tell, I can't decide how somebody else sees me. Um, all right, getting back to thinking through my day. Um, am I doing what I said I would do regardless of what it may cost me or, or taking a shortcut because something is taking longer or costing, my more, costing me more? Is my focus worry or trust? Am I resting in him? Am I counting on him or am I counting on me? If I don't show up, it's all going to get ugly. Well, no, if he doesn't show up, it's going to get really ugly. What about your day would look different if Jesus was the chief focus of what you were seeking, wanting, and looking for? What do you seek? What do you want? What are you looking for? Um, we're going to keep moving a little bit. Does anybody want to make any comments before we talk about Andrew and, and uh, probably this is John, uh, the response to Jesus' question? Any other thoughts? All right. So these two disciples, um, if you look at verse 40, um, says one of the two who heard Jesus speak and follow him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. The other one, because he never actually says who it is, is probably John. We know that in the book of John, John never says his own name. So there's a good chance this is probably him uh, is the second one. So anyway, um, what were they looking for? What were they seeking? Talked about it a little bit, but let's talk about it a little more. What might they have been looking for, considering the, the climate in Israel right now, with what's going on, what are they likely looking for? Be rescued. Okay. From who or what? Romans. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we see it throughout the, the Gospels that it really seems like 
Almost everybody who was excited about Jesus being there was excited about getting rid of the Romans. That seemed to be the main focus. Like, oh good, we've got a Savior coming. We finally get to get out from underneath the thumb of Rome. So that's, regardless of whatever else they may have thought about him, they, they probably had some hope for that. And, and again, we see it with these men throughout, throughout their time with Jesus. Um, and Porter brought this up earlier. Who's, whose disciples were they first? They were John the Baptist. So what does that say about them? As you think about John, what, what, his, what was he preaching? Coming of Christ. The coming of Christ and, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So if they're his disciples, what, what's kind of their focus already? Focus on, yeah, focus on John's preaching Jesus. John's preaching that the king is coming. He's coming. He's coming. So that's their focus as well. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand is what he said. Yeah. And Jesus in the same, I think it's in Matthew, where both he and Jesus say the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it seems to me that they weren't necessarily just content to trip on through life with the status quo. They were seeking something. They were looking for something. What did they likely see in John? Hope. Just something. Something different. John and Jesus are total opposites of everything that the, the Jewish leadership was. Nothing about them is like what they've experienced throughout their lives with the leadership that they've seen. You know, we're going to get to it, I think, but, you know, when it talks about people were amazed when Jesus spoke because he spoke with authority, unlike the scribes and the Pharisees, you know, the other leaders, the other teachers, Jesus was speaking with authority, understandably so. So they're seeing things very different. And I think John was probably very similar in, you know, this is something that's coming. He, he had passion about what he was speaking, for what he was speaking about. What's that? Yeah, yeah, he was not pulling punches about with those guys. Um, and what did John say that caused them to follow Jesus? Behold the Lamb of God. These two men were ready for something different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So what do you think about the two disciples' response to Jesus' question? Do you think they were interested or concerned for uh, Jesus' accommodations? Right, right. Have you ever, have you ever, you know, kind of been suddenly confronted with a question or something, and sometimes you're, you're first, you just like kind of respond. It felt a little bit like that, that they're like, you know, oh, uh, got to come up with a quick, quick uh, response. Uh, where are you staying? You know, it felt a little bit like that. Um, sometimes we do that. We, we, we're not really ready. You know, they're, they're following him. They're interested in who he is, and all of a sudden he turns, what you looking for? Um, it's kind of like if you were, 
if you've ever, some of us who are older remember this, um, you younger guys, uh, maybe not as much, but when you're, you know, you're infatuated with some young person of the opposite sex and your focus is all about, you know, them and, and, and you're worried and thinking about and then, you know, there's some confrontation all of a sudden they go, what are you, what are you doing? You're like, um, uh, you know, I'm doing the thing over here, you know. Um, so you don't give an honest answer because you're like, well, it seems a little weird to give an honest answer here. You know, so I, I don't know. It feels a little bit like that. To, you know, it's like we're really looking for something different. We're looking for something that we haven't seen before. Um, so I'm not sure that it necessarily re reflects exactly what's going on in their heart, but um, it is an interesting question as well. Where are you staying? Where, you're where are you dwelling? Um, On the surface, this seems like a silly spur of the moment, not really thought out question that came up on the spot. And yet, in light of Jesus' question to them and also to us, because I think Jesus does ask us this. I think Jesus is not just asking those guys. He's asking us, what do you seek? So for us, in light of the fact that Jesus now lives in us, perhaps we should be asking ourselves and one another, where is he staying? Where is he, sta where is he dwelling? Where is he remaining? Perhaps we might even ask a Jerry Benjamin type question. Where is Jesus staying or abiding in your affections? Is he preeminent, or is he just, what's the other word? Prominent. Prominent. Thank you. If you've heard Jerry Benjamin a few times, you have heard those words. I should have, it should be closer to the top of my head. What am I seeking, and where is Jesus abiding? Where is Jesus residing now? Yeah. What do we call the temple? Temple of the Holy Spirit. Where are you? Where are you staying? It's an interesting question. His answer is in verse 39. He said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying. They stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. Where do you suppose Jesus was? At his, at his mansion by the Jordan? We don't really know. This is not where his mom was living. So he's probably, out. I'm thinking he's probably camping out, right? Um, and so he's probably got all the latest North Face gear, all the, you know, all the cool stuff. No. Was that ever Jesus' focus? I, I, I still, one of these days, I... I I kind, of, I kind of do it surface. I haven't really dug into it, but I think when you look through the Gospels, it would be really interesting to look at the times that Jesus had a meal. I don't think Jesus' focus was ever food. Is anybody in here, is your focus ever food? Yeah, 
often. I think Jesus, we see him eating meals in the New Testament. We see him eating meals in the Gospels. His focus always seems to be the people he's eating with, not so much the food. And yeah, he provides for the 5,000 and the 4,000. He does that because he knows that's their focus. He knows that, yeah, they need to eat. When the disciples come to him after he's talked to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well, you know, my food is not, my, my food is doing the will of the Father. I just don't think his, his focus was ever food. I don't think his focus was stuff and having the right campsite, you know. Um, so where are you staying? Sure, here it is. There. Impressed, you know. But they stayed around, even though the campsite was nothing to be impressed with, because they were starting to see something different. All right, so moving on, um, one of the two who heard, Jesus, who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He found first his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The next day he purposed to go into Galilee, and he found Philip. And, and here in verse 43, um, I think, I don't remember if it was Kelly or, or, um, or Charlie or somebody, but it does seem that here in verse 43 the, that the next day he refers to Andrew. Not to, not to Christ, even though it's capitalized. So the next, if you can imagine that, the next day Andrew purposed to go into Galilee, and he found Philip. And then Jesus said to Philip, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida of the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Mo Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Um, so we, we see a lot of pieces of, you know, things that are going on as, as the disciples are starting to get called. Um, but again, kind of focusing on the questions here, uh, I can just see Nathaniel as Philip is telling him about finding the one about whom Moses and the law and the prophets wrote. He's thinking, oh boy. This is exciting. We've been anticipating coming. This is, I'm ready. Then Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. What? Who is this character? Being that he's not from probably, he probably doesn't know the story of Mary and Joseph, and he probably doesn't know that Jesus would have been considered an illegitimate child. He probably doesn't know that whole story. But you say Nazareth, and you just said the armpit of Israel. Why would a king ever come from Nazareth? You're kidding, right? This is a joke. What, what's the punchline? The son of Joseph? Who's this nobody? I was, I was excited. You know, and you just punched me in the gut with this. He's expecting someone important from an important city, not from the armpit of Israel. This guy must be a total nobody. 
Do we ever ask questions like this? Generally not out loud. But sometimes we think these things. Wait, really? There's, what's this person's pedigree? You know, what? I don't get it. But then, in verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in, who there, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And again, thinking about what he's just been probably thinking about Jesus. Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. That's quite the turnaround. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you that, you saw, that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Isn't it funny how our perception can change in just an instant, the blink of an eye? That quickly, Jesus goes from being a total nobody loser in Nathaniel's eyes to being the Son of God, which, of course, Jesus always was. But it's interesting because Nathaniel's preconceptions could have kept him from Jesus. They could very well have just, and we see it with a lot of people, their preconception of what Christ is, what Christianity is, what the church is, I'm not interested in that. What if when Philip told him about Jesus, Nathaniel had chosen to say, forget it, don't don't bother to waste my time with some loser from Nazareth. He likely would have avoided a martyr's death. He also would have missed out on true life. Full life, real life. Not just life after death, yes, that too, but being truly alive before that, walking with the Son of God on earth, sitting at His feet, and then being filled with His, with his Spirit at Pentecost. Questions, they're interesting. What do you seek? What do you want? What are you looking for? What are you filling your days with? You've found Jesus. Now what? Are you allowing him to live out through you? Live his life out through you? Are you allowing him to live? Or am I saying, hey, I'm covered, I'm good, I've got what I need, it's good enough. I'm covered for the, for the eternity and now I can do what I want to do. Do you want peace? Do you want joy? Those things come as we walk in Him. Doesn't mean life's easy. Sometimes it's extremely hard. Listening to Vera talk about life in Ukraine a couple weeks ago. I don't know about you, but I was blown away by the peace that I saw in her, this girl who's been walking, who's been talking about, yeah, we we're driving down that road, we were getting shelled. Okay, no big deal, right? Not with Christ. Yeah, yeah. And if we do hit one, he was there. He knew it. He knew it was coming. 
Doesn't surprise him. Doesn't shock him. You know, he has purpose in it all. All right. Any other thoughts, questions? Yeah. 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 Yeah, because, yeah, there's, there's, how do you explain this thing that I've just seen? Because, yeah, I, yeah, Jesus of Nazareth, you know, son of Joseph. Great. Yeah. Um, it just occurred to me that the section of, you know, John the Baptist, John and, or, uh, John and Peter are with him, and then they follow Jesus. And we talk about, like, the accommodations, which are probably Spartan. Right. Coming from John the Baptist, it would be like, wow, you've got accommodations of any type? This right. is amazing. Yeah. But, but I don't think there would be any appeal in that, right? It's, it's kind of a question of, like, why in the world would they be hanging out with John the Baptist at all? Right. Who has nothing yeah. to offer in terms of what the world does. Yeah. The call of the Spirit and the blessing to them that it really is this, like, they have, not fully, but they have believed and they have not yet seen. Mm -hmm. And so I think, like, being what we were talking about earlier of, like, beginning your day um, and refreshing your mind and taking your thoughts captive before they get too far out of whack. Yeah. Hopefully, that that would, I assume, is what their time with John the Baptist would have been. And so for him to then say, hey, and that's, that's whom we've been talking about. Right. Even if it's like, yeah, he's from... It, like, behold, like, the, the Lord of Cleveland. Right. Everyone else would be like, oh, my God, like, we're done now. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm going right. to Egypt. But yeah. their, their response isn't that, because it's they've heard, they've heard the truth of the Spirit speaking through John. And mm -hmm. so any kind of other writers you attach that to, like, that, none of that matters. That will fall away. Yeah. But the truth of whom we've heard, we will trust and we will believe. And so that step to say, all right, we're, we're done with you now, and we're going with him. Right. Yeah, and there's no indication ever that John the Baptist is upset about, because he, he said, he, he says, he must increase, I must decrease. He knew from the beginning, this is not a long-term gig, you know. I am, I am a road paver. That's all I am, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and he had questions because, you know, he had a sin nature. Um, so, yeah, he, and we'll, we'll address some of that at some point. Um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously they, they had a right attitude because, uh, you know, again, you show up at John and it's like, well, I got a few extra locusts and a little wild honey, you know. <laughs> bon appetit, you know. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, like, okay, whatever. Um, all right. Jake, could I ask you to pray for us? Thanks.